0: Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale.
1: Hispanic Heritage Month, September 15th through October 15th. Uh, And, uh, you know, nationwide, folks are paying tribute to the generations of Hispanic Americans who have positively influenced and enriched our nation and society. We want to kind of drill down with our friends from the Multicultural Community Resource Center. And with us uh, via Zoom is Katie Kretz. She's the executive director. Hey, Katie.
2: Hey, Joel,
1: how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on. We also thanks have... for having us. You got it. We also have Deb uh, Pazmino. uh Hi, Deb. Hi. Thanks for coming on. And also, Eddie Ocasio. Hey, Eddie, thanks for coming on. No problem. Glad to be here. All righty. So let, let's kind of drill down on what uh, y'all do. Of course, Katie, you're the executive director. Eddie, uh, what's your function at the Multicultural Resource Center?
0: Um had I've, I've had several functions there. I started out with HIV and AIDS testing, then I went to drug and alcohol counseling, and I'm currently uh, one of the program managers in the employment coordinator over at one of the satellite offices for MCRC.
1: so so you're you're deeply involved in this whole workforce uh development trying to plug the holes that uh you know oh yeah we're trying to fill yes, like 2700 yes. jobs here in erie and uh you're you're yeah. in the main line huh? yeah
0: it's been it's definitely been a challenge this past year as, as everybody knows um there's plenty of jobs out there we just got to fill them up with bodies so that's what i do i try to go out there and and, and try to find the best candidates deb how about you what is your
2: role
1: at mcrc
3: well, I'm currently the director of immigration services here. And, um, but like Eddie, I've worn a lot of hats over, over the years. I started as a Hispanic remedial studies teacher, an ESL teacher, case manager, Spanish interpreter, uh, worked with the refugee program and ETAP for a while, and most recently was the interim director until we were lucky enough to find Katie.
1: Terrific, and we're going to get Katie's full story here in the second half hour. But uh, 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 Katie, let's talk about um, uh, the Multicultural Resource Center, which has its roots in uh, the Hispanic American Council, and so at some point th- there was a feeling that it needed to broaden out. Uh, um, can you share part of that story? But uh, and and is there still significant number of uh, of uh, folks of Hispanic descent that are getting resources from MCRC.
2: So, sure. I will I will begin um, explaining this, but then I am going to turn it over to Deb because she actually was here um, back in 1988, actually but prior to that time as a volunteer when it was the Hispanic American Council. Counsel. So she actually has the experience um, firsthand as to, to what that looked like But you're correct, Um, MCRC started out back in 1975 as the Hispanic American Council, and then in 2009 is when the the name change occurred um, to the Multicultural Community Resource Center. And of course, as you had uh, alluded to, we do service more than the Hispanic community. We do focus um, on refugees and immigrants, of which we can talk about a little bit more in depth. Um, But as far as services in the Hispanic community, there are a a number of services that we do provide. uh, And there's actually a lot of services uh, that are still needed in the Hispanic community, especially um, because we do have a lot of people who relocate to Erie, Pennsylvania from Puerto Rico, who are considered uh, United States citizens, as you know. Um, But because of their citizenship, there's really no, no programs available to them that are paid for um, AND SO WE ARE UNDER RESOURCED IN THAT AREA AND OF COURSE THAT'S a, ANOTHER TOPIC FOR MAYBE ANOTHER HOUR <laughs> but, um, BUT CERTAINLY DEB um, HAS MORE OF THE HISTORY WITH THE ORGANIZATION AND SO I DON'T WANT TO TAKE THAT LIGHT AWAY FROM HER SO SHE CAN SHARE WITH YOU uh, HER HISTORY WITH THAT.
3: WELL, um, AS KATIE SAID, uh, THE HISPANIC-AMERICAN COUNCIL WAS FOUNDED IN 1975. Um, originally, it existed in a small building in the parking lot of the Church of the Covenant, and then in the early 1980s, uh, we were ge- we were um, leased the building that we're in now, here on the corner of East 10th and Ash Streets. Uh, primarily, um, in the beginning, I would say it was more of a social organization. It hosted a lot of parties at the St. Martin Center. Mother's Day parties and big fiestas that had a ladies auxiliary that would uh, provide food for the, the fiestas that they would have. Cinco de Mayo was big. And um, just primarily an organization uh, that, that was social, that would bring people in. However, they did have an executive, dir- they did formalize, have an executive director and one paid employee and other in- volunteers. The employee normally provided case management and interpretation services. Um, Then uh, when we moved over to the building on East 10th and Ash Streets, I had increased uh, um, substantially and had a number of employees. But again, basically case management services, employment services, interpretation services.
1: I want to ask you about the services because uh, like Katie pointed out, uh, if the direct line is mostly from Puerto Rico, it's basically as if somebody moved from from Alabama to Pennsylvania. And so, I mean, because you're dealing with you're dealing with territory versus a state, that is a difference. And You're also, I would imagine, dealing with some um, language barriers. But uh, but again, we're we're teaching English. I would imagine in in, in uh, Puerto Rico, uh, you know. All the way, you know, as as kids come up, right? So, what were some? What, uh, there had to be a felt need back in the day that, other than like you say, social. What were some of these cases that you were dealing with? What were you trying to accomplish?
3: Well, there were English as a second language classes that were going on back in the 1980s. There were um, a lot more um, a lot more programs that were directed to Latinos and, and uh, Hispanic groups back then. So primarily, um, you know, employment services, interpretation, English is a second language. As I said, I, my first job uh, was as a Hispanic remedial studies um, uh, teacher. And um, there were a lot of Hispanics that came into this area Uh, as migrant workers and a lot of them were, had limited uh, reading and writing skills and so uh, there was a program initially to teach people to read and write primarily migrant workers in Spanish with the idea that then we could teach them um, English skills and reading and writing in English because we had to get them, you know, reading and writing uh, in Spanish first.
1: So uh, how, much, how much of that is going on now, uh, Deb, as far as, um, again, uh, with, with folks still moving, uh, whether it's from uh, uh, Puerto Rico or maybe there are refugees from the southern border? Uh, do, are we starting to see any, any of that, you know, folks from Central America, from Guatemala, Colombia, whatever, that are making their way to Erie? Uh,
3: well, um, yes and no. I think everybody knows that there was a group of children that were housed here in the area area for a short period of time and then were moved. Um, I, as the immigration counselor, have seen some people um, that were admitted along the southern border just recently. But surprisingly, a lot of them are not Hispanic. I've seen some people from the Ukraine, from Eritrea, um, that were admitted through that that border as well. so, you know, I would say that Erie um, and the surrounding areas are still on the, the migrant circuit. In other words, we have a lot of uh, grape farmers in Northeast. We have the nurseries in Fairview. And I would say that's how we originally got our large Hispanic population, what were that there were some nurseries that were bringing in people from Puerto Rico uh, during the summer months. And then gradually, um, because Puerto Rico is a commonwealth of the United States, those people didn't have any immigration problems and they just stayed on. Yeah. Um, and that's how we got the, you know, the our um, largest group of Hispanics then in back in the day were Puerto Rican.
1: Do we have any sense for, um, you know, who were, have been the senior leaders over the last 50, maybe since post-war, uh, World War II, you know, some of the some of the folks again. It's Hispanic Heritage Month. So I'm thinking of who are those pillars in the Hispanic community in Erie that we can point to that we can honor.
3: Well, I I think maybe Eddie would be able to 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 um, to speak on that a little bit more about the people recently. I know that um, some of the founding members of um, of the Hispanic uh, American Council. Uh, Dr. Enron de León Soto, who was yeah. a professor yeah. at Gannon, Miguel Sagay, another uh, uh, professor, um, uh, Rebecca Briotti was one of the founding members, um, Samuel González. Um, th- those people actually organized the Hispanic American Council back in the, in the 70s. And Eddie, who would you say are some of the people that today would be people that would be uh, very influential in the Hispanic community?
0: Um, I, would, I was going to mention the names that you did also, um, but currently right now, some of them, some of the pillars um, uh, could be Sonny Concepción is involved a lot in the community. He's the pastor, uh, right? Also- uh, he's the yes, pastor. he is. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. he is. He started out in social services and stuff like that. Okay. Now he's into the ministry. Um, there's also uh, Julio Quesada. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been involved in a lot of things locally in the, the show Enterate. He has a local group called Mambo. So he's been yeah. around, you know, in a lot of places. There's also somebody in the Hispanic community who's actually not Hispanic, but she's very well known in the community, Hispanic community. And that would be Angie Ocasio. Um she's involved a lot with the Hispanic community. She has her own interpretation place and stuff. She's always in the courts. So that's a name that's well known out there also in the community.
1: Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think some rising leaders Eddie might be uh, Jasmine Flores, uh uh you know, is running for city council and uh, certainly a, a good friend of mine is David Gonzalez who again uh you Absolutely. know, was a baby at the in the PR and you know now is a a senior leader here in Erie, you know, running Saint yes. Martin Center. So. He
3: actually worked here at the. Oh, firm. did he? Yes. Did he work?
1: Okay, yeah. Again, he, again, he's, he's, got, he's got that. He's got that. <laughs> uh, he's got that level of horsepower, of leadership horsepower, yeah. that um, that yeah. he's been able to do. So he he hired you, Eddie, uh, David. Yes, he did. He did. He was the one who hired me. That's fantastic.
3: I would say Jimmy Montero would be another one who was here at the very beginning. He's retired now, but he worked for Northwestern Legal Services for a number of years.
1: Yeah, I I was telling uh, my audience before we got on the Zoom that uh, Dr. Soto used to pay me to run his Spanish show on WERG on the Gannon radio station when he would take vacations. He he always took care of me, Doctor Soto But that was, <laughs> so, uh,
3: so Eddie is very well
2: connected in in the Hispanic community, um, and he actually ha- uh, is involved in a, a lot of different activities. Eddie, did you uh, want to share that with with us real quick before you have to head out?
3: Uh,
0: um, sure. I'm currently um, involved uh, with WERG. Um, every Sunday, uh, I play mute uh, Spanish music, twelve to three and I try to inform the community of things that are happening. That's a, I'm also That's involved. a direct
1: descendant of Dr. Soto's program, that 12 yes. to 3. Absolutely. Yes. What do you, what do you call yes, the Eddie. show now, Eddie? What's it called?
0: Uh, Potencia Latina.
1: Potencia Latina. Okay. Beautiful.
0: Yep. Latin uh, potential.
1: And it, and it's a it's a hip show. I mean, this is this is uh no. this is Latin pop Deep music, you know. Yeah, yeah.
0: Another, another individual who was always involved, he was, he was my partner for over 10 years was Mario Medina. He was my partner in the radio. Absolutely. He sadly passed earlier in the, in the wow. year, but um, uh, you know, I, I carry on the show in his, his memory because he's the one who brought me in like 10 years ago. Wow. So I'm trying to continue that. Um, I'm also involved in a group called the Erie Latino Leadership Association. Um, and that's a group of professionals through different, you know, uh, uh, businesses and organizations. I I come from MCRC. I bring that into the group. Um, and we're also, we're the ones who usually put together the Hispanic Heritage Festival every year. Um, and MCRC helps us with that every year. We haven't done it the last two years because of the pandemic. Uh, but we're currently trying to put together a, a Hispanic health fair. Um, so, trying to offer different, um, you know, services that, that affect the Hispanic community. And we also wanna push uh, vaccinations and, and and try to battle against misinformation. So we're trying to get all that put together, um, always trying to keep active. And actually, as a matter of fact, we, we tapped into Miss Sullivan, to Jasmine Flores, to see if she uh, wants to be involved. She's very heavily involved now in the city.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: We need that new energy, yeah. Eddie, your your uh, your your main duties
1: are getting folks employed. There's a, there are a lot of jobs out there in Erie County. It's yes. that's probably the first time that that you've heard that you're that, that you've had to encounter that in uh, probably in to the extent of your career. I mean, there's just a lot of jobs.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it's actually it's reversed because the 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 prior years before. I couldn't find jobs. I had all these people who needed to find work, but I couldn't find places for them to be placed and whatnot, but now it's totally the opposite. We got all these jobs out here. They're even offering extra money um, and people are still hesitant in finding work. There could be many reasons for that. I know in the Hispanic community, from the ones that I deal with, um, especially the ones that are coming from Puerto Rico, The the language barrier is very tough because they're very educated. They have great experience. But because they can't speak the language, they can't move forward in the the job or they have to start very low level. Um, So that is that so that
1: that kind of flies in the face of what I was thinking is that, you know, that folks coming up in the PR uh, were fully, uh, you know, bilingual or, or at least had strong knowledge of English. That doesn't
0: seem to be the case. That's a very good point, because we are part of the United States, so one would assume that people would know more English and stuff, even though a lot of them do speak English, most of them do not. Um, They keep culture alive very very much down there. So they'll come up here. And and another thing is that they lack confidence, because sometimes they do speak it well, but they're afraid to sound funny, they're afraid to say things the wrong way, so they hold back. Um, And because they hold back, it holds back, you know, from opportunity. So I try to instill uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, like let them know you can speak pretty well. You can speak well enough that you can get and communicate and get a good job. So that's what we try to do. And then MCRC, we try to help with any obstacle that they have, you know, whatever it is, babysitting, language, no education. We have all that stuff available for them to knock it down and succeed.
1: Eddie, I got to ask you about uh, how you help the employers kind of expand their mind a little bit to say, hey, this is going to be a great worker. Just work with them. Yeah. I, um. Oh, you you muted yourself. Muted yourself. Oh, you muted
2: him.
0: Hey, do you have anybody Latino that can interpret it? And when they say no, I actually call them out on that. I'm like, I just don't understand how. You cannot have a Spanish-speaking worker here with all the Hispanics that are in Erie. And sometimes they don't have an answer. But some of the employers are work well with me because they'll say, uh, I had a person who actually made up a job at Walmart for one of my clients because of his lack of English. So some employers will go out their way, but some of them will not. Some of them will just say, you don't know the language, we can't hire you. Um, so it is tricky. I try to go and talk to them and explain to them um, through the resume. Uh, let them know this that you know their their work ethic is good. I try to sell them the much you know the best I can, and the best way is is when they hire them and they and they work out. It just proves my point. Yeah. So that's what I like to do is is is, is give them a chance. Some of them do, but some of them don't. It's still hard out there.
1: Would you say – got to ask about the vaccine. Would you say that there is significant hesitancy to getting the vaccine, which is in turn uh, making people afraid to go back to work?
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: Where's in that the coming from in the Hispanic community, I guess?
0: I, I, it's, it's misinformation. Um, listening to spiritual leaders, um, listening to each other. Um, it's just, it's just the, the, the fear. And then on top of that, on top of that, the, 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 amount of pay, some of the employers were paying some of these people, you know, the individuals, the risk was not, well, I'm not going to go and put myself at risk for that little bit of money. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of hesitance because, you know, for that, but then when they want the higher end jobs, they don't have the experience. So they're kind of stuck. But there's a there's definitely a, a lot of hesitation in the Hispanic community for sure.
1: Do you see um, pathways for uh, you know uh, Erie Hispanics to get into the middle class? Are you seeing you know uh, people of Hispanic ascent uh, descent uh, working at Wabtec, working at Erie Insurance? Is that is that becoming a thing these days? Is there a a, a growing middle class?
0: Yeah. Um, There is a disconnect in the community, um, because you have people who have the higher end jobs, you know, the the middle class, then you have the lower end. There's a disconnect between that community. Um, I've seen it myself when I go to GE and speak to some of the people up there, and I speak to some of the lower end, there's no connection there whatsoever. I would like to bring them together to bridge it so they could see where they could go. Um, But I've seen it personally, There there is a division there in terms of economic in the Hispanic community.
1: Let's talk about, and I've got like one minute with you before we have to go to the break, Uh, uh, apprenticeships and other, you know, uh, job uh, workforce development uh, pathways that that work really well with uh, the folks that you work with. Is it is it what you guys are, are doing? Is it what you guys are doing that are is the main workforce development, or are you seeing like manufacturers really able to embrace uh, um, your clients uh, to to be an apprentice? Yes,
0: yes I, I. One thing about some of the uh, one thing about the Hispanics is that they sometimes have a nice reputation of being hard workers, on, 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 especially when they when you work with your hands, when you work outside, when you work in the fields. Very so. Workers are aware of that, so they will call me and specifically ask for Hispanics because they know the background.
1: When we talk about National Hispanic American uh, Heritage Month here, um, what what would you hope that the general population would uh, take away from you know an, a, you know a focus and emphasis on on uh, Hispanic heritage? What do you think, Katie? What would what, be a good um, takeaway?
3: I think
2: that just really embracing um, the, the heritage and, and the culture that the Hispanic community brings to um, to us. And I, I think, um, you know, regardless of, of what your cultural background might be, just, you know, embracing everybody and the differences um, and, and really being able to educate yourselves on what those cultural differences might be and, um, you know, help create the diversity that exists. So, um, you know, I had a, a good friend of mine um, Jody Andres, she's the I don't know if you know her, but she's been the volunteer coordinator for many years over at St. Vincent's, which is now Allegheny Health Network. Um, and I think she said it most beautifully when she says that Erie is a beautiful mosaic of, of diversity. And I think being able to highlight you know the Hispanic heritage um, adds value to that.
1: And there's no doubt about it and 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 again, we get to we get we all get to enjoy, you Know the outcomes, the food, the uh, the celebrations. <laughs> you might be invited to, I I what, Deb? What do they call the uh, when the coming out party of of the young ladies? Um,
3: Chicanera.
1: yeah, I, I, I'll let you, pronounce <laughs>
3: that. yeah, when they turn, yeah, when <laughs> they turn 15.
1: And, I mean, uh, it's a big deal, right? I mean,
3: it is a big deal. It's almost like when you for somebody who would be observing it, it's almost like a wedding. The, the 15 year old would would put on a big white dress and have attendance and it's it's kind of a debutante uh type type thing that that kind of has been lost in american culture but very much alive in the in the latino cultures i think what really draws me to uh, latino families is their hospitality uh family values you know family is so important and not just in just the nuclear family, but extended family, mm-hmm. and uh, how people get grafted into that, and um, you know, just just that feeling of that welcoming feeling. Like you said, great food. Mm-hmm. Um, they are spiritually very deep people. Have uh, you know? They uh, Latins are known for their uh, emotional fortitude, if you will. Uh, they feel things very very deeply.
1: So, uh, so how how does this all mix together when you're uh, when you when you you're, you're uh, doing your work at the Multicultural Resource Center? Because again, you have this Hispanic heritage, but now uh, Erie, like you say, is this beautiful mosaic, and it's you know we've got Somalians and Bosnians, and and uh, what did I hear recently? The number one um, uh, country, nep- Nepalese, right? Uh, that's the uh, yeah. and, and the Bhutan, that's like the number one, uh, uh, you know, country of origin for folks. I have friends that are from Sri Lanka, they're super cool people, and uh, yeah. uh you know, and and so, and again, you know, just a hundred years ago, my, my grandparents came from Italy, right? And so, yeah. and and so, we we're this is what we do, we kind of come together and assimilate, and so. I guess uh how do you properly um you know how do you properly navigate you know f- uh success factors in being uh an American even as as you are an American if you grew up in Puerto Rico right but also adapt to the necessities of living life in Erie Pennsylvania with its snow and and uh the the challenges and the the cool things that we have to offer here I mean how do how do you How do you navigate that? Is it all about education?
2: I I think um, it it is a lot about education and and not education as far as book smart education. It's really being able to, um, as as fellow uh, citizens, be able to educate ourselves uh, as to what immigration truly is. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there, um, you know, just in society in general, that when you say the word immigrant, People automatically take offense to that um, and they feel as though people are coming over into our country illegally. And that's not at all what we do here at MCRC. And I think that there's there's really just that um, disconnect in the community with that true understanding of what it is that we're doing. Um, Deb, This is what Deb does every single day. She works with people who come to the United States legally. Um, she helps them uh, through the immigration process. Um, and so you know it's people like her who understand this and and has the resources and she knows where to go to get the help for these folks. Um, and, and just in her program alone, she she and her um, her staff so, you know, serve over a, a thousand people within a year just on immigration issues. Um, but I think that what we do here at MCRC um, is is really neat in the sense that, um, we are culturally sensitive to, to everybody um, and being able to have uh, folks who are working on case management that are from the ethnic background of the people that they're serving is key because with anything, the most important thing to do to connect with somebody is to build a rapport, to have a relationship with them and create that trust. And I think a lot of people who come to the United States—that's hard for them to do because they don't know anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you when you create that trust and you have that ability for people to connect and provide resources, I think that's where the success begins.
1: Deb, I want to ask you um, one of the one of the things that in, in prior conversations that we've had uh, with uh, folks from MCRC is the idea of the family unit and the kind of the the upside down that happens. After a while, after, after after folks have been here in the states and in Erie, where the children who get assimilated really quickly into the school systems start kind of, you know, because of their ability to grab the grasp of the language quickly, they start um, kind of inappropriately, if you will, getting a, a sense of authority over their parents and grandparents, and it really leads to, some, some dicey family dynamics. Can you speak to that?
3: It can happen and we have seen it happen here. Um, typically, um, it, it, children are out of the house a lot more, they're mandated to go to school. So their, their ability to acquire English skills and read and write and uh, learn new vocabulary um, is accelerated compared to the parents who may be out working but working in the same place every day, uh, limited um, exposure to, to English and maybe a limited ability to learn, to read and write as in, in the course of their day. And so, yeah, we find that uh, children adapt to the society a lot more quickly than sometimes the parents do. Parents can be... Uh, a little bit deeper, steeped in their uh, in their culture, coming from abroad, um, and it creates a lot of um, difficult dynamics sometimes, especially uh, when the culture um, may be uh, more patriarchal, so that you know the it, it's not uncommon for um, you know dating to be uh, an issue. In some of the cultures that we see, marriages are arranged. Dating is not a thing. But then again, the children uh, could be exposed to, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, American uh, traditions and customs that the parents just are not willing to sign on to. Um, even sometimes, clothing norms become mm-hmm. become an issue. Um, you know, the, the the kids want to. Uh, assimilate, want to look like normal, average American kids, uh, but the clothing that they want to wear may or may not be um, appropriate in the eyes of their parents.
1: So, what what does the case manager do in that case? I mean, just kind of trying to facilitate communication, generally.
3: Well, I think I think that families need to work this out on their own. Mm-hmm. There are some there are some children who rebel. But I would say, by and large, um, most children want to respect their parents and want Mm -hmm. to do um, what what pleases their parents. Um, You know, we do, um, I think there's a thin line. We want people to assimilate into American society. However, that doesn't mean that you have to leave your language and your culture and your values Mm -hmm. aside. Mm And so, uh, you know, we need to we need to try to balance that and help people work through that.
1: And again, the sensitivities that come from an organization like yours really mm-hmm. really help that through, Katie. And and really,
3: what,
2: I, go
1: ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was, oh, not- I was just
2: saying, <laughs> as well as an organization, we really have to to support um, support the parent as best we can without interjecting the child. And I'm now day ten sitting in this new position with MCRC. Um, And, you know, I've crafted a a limited English proficiency policy where, you know, we pretty much vow to do what we can to support the parent in in their own language and not use a child to be able to, you know, to interpret for them. Um, Because clearly, you know, we want to make sure that we have that professional relationship um, with the parent and, and, you know, let the, the child be a child.
1: That's a great uh, place to pivot to, to hear your story. Again, uh, Katie Kretz, uh, you're the new executive director of the MCRC. How did you come to this position uh, after the search, and what drew you to it?
2: Um, I have, uh, for the past you know, 12 years, actually been in the intellectual disability field. Um, I moved here in 2008, uh, began over at the Barbro National Institute, found my way over to Erie Homes just most recently. Um, and I was really ready to um, to kind of swing a little higher. I I love um, I love people. I love being a humanitarian, um, but I also like connecting with people and you know um, being able to help uh, organizations thrive to be the best that they can be. Um, so that's where this landed. So I'm I'm here at MCRC, um, completely new to this industry. Uh, so I have a lot to to learn, and as I tell people often I'm drinking through a fire hose. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, um, you know, it's it's important work, you know, especially here in Erie, you know, with the new American council that the mayor's office has, um, you know, they'll, if you want to take a look at the uh, their Facebook page, um, they are celebrating welcoming week two, you know, 2021 for the city of Erie. We've um, taken part in that. Uh, we are welcomers to to new Americans here in the city of Erie. So, Um, You know, again, it just goes back to to really being that humanitarian and and wanting to make a difference in our our community.
1: How is uh, MCRC funded? Is it grants? Is it uh, is there federal funding that's coming through?
2: So um, uh, pretty much most of our funding um, is through through grants. Um, About 50 percent of what we do um, is contracted uh, through the state, but it's really federal dollars that, uh, that we're, you, you know, that we receive. Um, and so there's a lot of grant writing, there's a lot of submission. There's a lot of, Hey, we're coming to the end of the year. We got to reapply for a grant. So, um, you know, there's a, a lot of that work. And as I had, uh, um, mentioned earlier, you know, there, there's actually funding that's been cut over the years specific to the Hispanic community. Um, and that's really, um, you know, related to the ESL folks. Uh, the uh english second english second language and um you know being able to identify how we can help that community um really you know learn the the english language and gain the skills that they need for job you know job placements and and really with housing too
1: uh talk about uh, any carve outs for uh those affected by the most you know essential workers affected by covid19 um you know we're hearing a lot of uh different uh uh, money being thrown around whether it's the county or the city or uh, do you sure. expect that MCRC will be a bene- uh, beneficiary of that?
2: Um, I'm hoping so um, that that unfortunately was prior to, to me coming on board. So um, Deb actually is our interim director. So she was uh, part of that a little bit. So I don't know if you want to talk well, a little bit about what you experienced during that. We
3: have been at the table with a, a number of other organizations and as the money comes in, um, you know, the, uh, Kathy Dahlkemper's office, I believe they're setting up the recovery center. Mm, right. And from what I understand, part of the money that comes in there, some of it will go directly to, um, to people in the community who have mm-hmm. suffered losses because of the pandemic. Some of it will be uh, given out to small businesses and some of it will be earmarked for social service agencies that have provided Services through the pandemic. So I think they're still kind of setting up and getting getting all of that uh, situated to see, because, of course, even though it, it is a lot of money, you want to give it out um, responsibly and make sure that it gets in the hands of the people that really need it.
1: All right, we've got like a, a couple minutes left with our friends from the Multicultural Resource Center, and I want to uh, bring it back to National Hispanic Heritage Month. You know, when we think about Black uh, History Month or Women's History Month, there's a lot of events and things, and I know COVID is kind of putting the kibosh on a lot of that. But are, 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 is there any educational uh, or special things that you want to tout uh, that's going to be happening in the next few weeks here?
2: Uh, as far as uh, anything formal, we we don't have really anything formal. Um, we are um, obviously with with new leadership coming into the organization, we are discussing um, different ways that we can really get out to the community, um, not just the services that we provide here at MCRC, but the educational components of the different um, cultures that exist within our community. So um, we are, uh, you know, composing, a lot of different uh, materials to, to share with the community. Um, really trying to get thre- things out through social media. Um, so there will be things coming forth. So stay tuned to that.
1: Do you get in? Do you get any sense that the school districts are kind of uh, you know plugging into this particular month?
3: um that that's a question that i really can't give an answer
2: to okay. Okay.
3: <laughs> not really sure i think they're kind of uh, waiting to see uh, they're hoping to remain open right and we're all hoping <laughs> that they remain open yeah. so as far as like large gatherings i think that you're going to see a little bit less of that mm-hmm. um, i'm just, just thinking
1: to... i'm thinking of authors and books and, sure. and movies and things that uh, you know people might be pointed to to say you know uh, I just want to expand my horizons a little bit on on whether it's arts and culture or uh, or uh, history and so on. And when you think about uh, Hispanic heritage, again, uh, we all have friends that uh, have have Hispanic uh, Hispanic origin and. Uh, we want we want their day in the sun too. You know what
3: absolutely. I mean? As we become aware of those, we're going to
2: let you know. <laughs> okay, <that's, laughs> and I, uh, I can say that the city of Erie is doing an excellent job uh, with with highlighting you know the um, the different celebrations of, of our ethnic background. So they are definitely doing things to to support the uh, Heritage Month for our Hispanic community.
1: Do you see uh, uh, strong connections between? and uh between the community centers and what mcrc does i mean how much working together is there uh in the in the neighborhood especially in the city neighborhoods i would say
2: um well i can i can definitely say um you know in the short time that i've i've been here um there is a lot of um you know working together um you know looking to build rebuild some relationship with you know some other providers that provide the same services we do but You know, we really have to rely on each other. So um, I am looking at uh, actually having some meetings with folks and and getting to learn people and, um, you know, learn our community a little bit more. So um, certainly as we move forward, uh, things are going to be becoming a lot stronger with with regard to that question.
1: Well, we're going to leave it there. We want to thank you so much, uh, Katie Kretz, the executive director, and Deb Bazinho. Oh, my gosh. I'll get it some one of these days, Deb. Don't hurt yourself.
2: It's
1: okay. They're both from the, the, the Multicultural Resource Center uh, down at uh, uh, 554 East 10th Street. Their phone number, 814-455-0212, or the website MCRCEerie.com. Dot org Thank you, ladies, so much. Um, and thanks, thanks
3: for to, having you. us, all We appreciate it. Thank
2: thanks
1: you. to Eddie earlier in in the hour. Here,
0: you've been listening to the Joel Natalie Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing Joel at TalkErie.com.